What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 93 of TLDR Podcast. Uh, we got another great one for you guys. Uh, we got some hockey talk with Traden. We got some NFL draft, mock draft with James, which we always enjoy doing. Uh, we're going to see those picks. And then uh, opening day was this week, guys. Uh, MLB is back. So we got MLB Dams are back. And I'm going to finish out the podcast there, there at the end. Uh, but let's check in. Both of you guys, James and Traden, you guys got to go to opening day at Angel Stadium. Tell me all about the experience. How was it like, James? Let's hear about it. All right. So Traden is awesome, first and foremost. The dude brought his truck and we tailgated before he made tacos on his Blackstone. So good. Let me tell you, I've never really tailgated before. That was my first time ever tailgating. Dude, I, it was awesome. Next time we got to do an angel game, like we got to do that. Like there's so much room. Food is great. We definitely saved money on alcohol because we drank in the parking lot, which you're not supposed to because it's illegal, but we did it anyway. Um, so if, if you're an angels person, we didn't do that. That was just a joke. Ha <laughs> uh, But the game itself was really cool too. The uh, I like the player introductions at the beginning and they had a flyover and the national anthem and everything like that gave me tingles. Like that was such a great moment. And uh, I've never really had tingles before. I mean, the only other time I've done that was when I went to the uh, Niners Rams week 18. That was really cool. Uh, but this time it was Angels opening day. And I was like, wow, we're really here. Uh, in terms of the game, it wasn't that exciting because the Angels lost. They hung in there. Um, but Joe Adele did not look good. And uh, today he had his first home run, his first hit, which is a home run. So that was really cool. They're up 4-0 right now. But the, it was a great day, man. Overall, Angels didn't win. That sucked. But Man, opening day is so much fun. Got to do it every year. Hell yeah, man. That's awesome. Trading uh, with tailgate. That's I mean, not not a lot of places get to do tailgate. So it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Angel Stadium allows that to happen. Um, but yeah. What was your what, what was your game plan going into tailgate opening day? Because I, this um, is the first opening day you've had ever, right? Yeah, it was first opening day I've had. I've always tailgated a couple uh, football games up at, up in um, San Francisco. Uh, but look. If I became a bigger Angels fan because, like you said, um, there's not very many places that allow it, especially down here, and it costs ten dollars. <laughs> it, it, it's ten dollars, and you're parking like right under the A, you know, where, where you know where everyone's driving by, and they just let you. It's like laissez faire. They would do what the fuck you want, and it was pretty spectacular. Um, we just got to walk right in. The only problem was it was a little tough to get out of there, but you know what? I, we can live with that when it's only 10 bucks to get in and you can bring your own stuff. So um, look, angels, that's, that's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. Um, although I wish you guys would update your website to, uh, to tell us that we can actually get there earlier than two and a half hours because we would have been there even earlier. There was so many people there, like James, I don't know. I think, I think like half the ballpark was already there before we got there. <laughs> we were late to the party and we were still, you know, you know, there was still two and a half hours of game time, but um, it was lots of fun. Um, unfortunately, it's not the uh, not the result we wanted, but nonetheless, to 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 enjoy, um, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, tacos and, and company with your friends before uh, before a baseball game is always uh, is always the best. So, hell yeah, that's awesome. Uh, before we get into the rest of the podcast, you know, one amazing sport event that we usually talk about, but Eric isn't here. Uh, the Masters happened this weekend. Uh, it was an amazing event. Tiger Woods participated, which is great. Uh, Scotty Shuffler ended up winning the event uh, by three strokes, pretty much dominated pretty much from the first day on. 
he was the world number one golfer coming into the event and ended up winning it. So which I, that's the first time it's happened in a while. I don't remember the exact stuff top of my head. Uh, but James, did you catch any of the Masters this, this, this weekend? Just any, any thoughts or, or kind of takeaways from that event? Uh, I didn't watch too much of it. I watched a little bit here and there, but it wasn't like on my TV, sitting there watching it for hours on end. Uh, I did see Bryson DeChambeau just absolutely shit the bed. So that's kind of fun to watch. Uh, so Eric is probably crying right now. But it was also really cool to see Tiger do his thing. He didn't win. DJ didn't win. Um, Scotty Chef, yeah, he won. The dude with a mullet, Cam Smith, Cameron Smith. Yeah, Smith. Dude's really cool. Like, he has a mullet and he's playing really good golf. I like that. I respect that. Good for him. Uh, but other than that, didn't really catch too much of it. I would like to go one day. I'd like to play there one day to see how terrible I do. But, you know, that's a one-day kind of thing. Bucket list for me. Absolutely. Uh, Traden, any, 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 any thoughts on the Masters this weekend? Um, Cam Smith, uh, again, to bounce off of James. The guy, uh, he's, been, he's been interviewed. And what it seems like he'd be the guy that's like, kind of like a Babe Ruth type guy that's, you know, drinking between each hole. Um, he, he doesn't, he, you know, he, he, he is so, he's so dialed in. He, he, you know, he deals with this fun in the, uh, you know, during the week when he's not playing, but when he's playing, he is so dialed in and that's really cool. But the biggest, the biggest um, eye opener for me was Rory McIlroy. I mean, the, the guy was, the guy was plus one going into the final round and goes minus eight in the fourth round to, to, to snag second place. So you just think if Rory does, decent in the first three rounds he's winning that tournament i mean no doubt and uh, it just shows that you need to you need to be able to bring a full tournament to these uh to these um you know to these events because you know one 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 bad day and it's just you can't you can't it's hard to climb out of that i mean if you if you're going minus eight you're still you, he still has you know three strokes to go um uh, so it was uh that 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 was the most you know, eye-opening thing for me. It was like, dang, like if, if only he, had, he was half as, uh, half as decent as he was that day earlier, we, we'd be uh, celebrating Roy McElroy's uh, green jacket. It really is crazy just how many, you know, rounds of golf these guys play and just how it comes down to just such a small amount. I mean, even the fact that how dominant Sky Scheffler was, and as you said, Roy kind of came roaring back there at the end um, and, you know, got it within three strokes is crazy after they played, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't know how many, rounds of like what the total score is um but it's it's pretty insane um that, but that's what makes it fun i i happened to catch a lot of the masters this weekend um because of the hotel wi-fi i was at was terrible and wasn't able to stream a whole lot of mlb this weekend unfortunately um but they but the hotel did have espn so watched a lot of the uh masters which was which was cool it really made me appreciate i kind of forget how difficult that course is and especially with the with the greens and stuff like how how accurate you have to be with your approach and how accurate you have to be with 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 all those shots it's pretty insane i'm like if i ever tried to play it i'd probably do absolutely i can't even i don't even want to know what my score would be well tyler that's not even accounting for about half if not a little more than half of the entire tournament they were the players are dealing with crazy wins yeah which i mean James and Tyler on, on courses that are wide open and we're dealing with wind. We already have, we already struggle. (laughs) (laughs) These are, these are courses that are, you know, a little bit tighter, um, you know, a lot more to deal with and you're dealing with wind. It's just, it's just incredible. Yeah. There's that one. I think I can't remember what exactly what was like 12 or 13 or 14th hole. It's that part three that has like the water in front plus the bunker on the left. And you have to like, you have to place that shot so perfectly or you're so fucked. Yeah. Um, so it's, it, it's really impressive to watch those guys consistently go at it. And, you know, Tiger Woods, we, we talk about Tiger Woods a lot. 
pretty awesome that he was able to bounce back there and, and, and be a part of that tournament. Obviously didn't do super well. Um, I don't even know what it's fine. I think he finished like 12 over for the, for the whole tournament or something yeah. like that. Um, so not great, but the fact that he was able to play four rounds and, and know, meet make the cut yeah. and, and, and make the cut and play into Sunday was, was, was pretty impressive. So uh, hopefully he, he, he comes back and uh, will continue to continue his return back. Um, so hopefully you guys enjoyed some of some of that masters this, this weekend. Uh, but we're going to get into some hockey talk guys. Playoffs are right around the corner, but, but before we get in, to the teams that made the playoffs, we're going to talk about the teams that didn't, the teams that are are going to be looking this offseason. They're going to be watching from the couch, but looking forward maybe for something brighter in the near future, but we're going to talk about it. So, trading, what do we got for hockey? Yeah, um, look, I, I, we're, we are just three weeks away, and what I thought last week was kind of, you know, we were kind of wrapping it up. We were kind of seeing how everything's going to shake out. All of a sudden, the the results at, at least especially in the west are just wide open tyler i we're not going to talk about it but i don't know what i, I you're clearly dowdy um being heard is such an issue for you guys That's and bad. um all of a sudden you have gifted the vegas golden knights a chance for a chance into the pacific spot not just I'm a wild card spot in the pacific spot which i nervous. thought was locked up so yeah um for my for for me um i hope you guys stay in um, for a couple of reasons. One, I think it's an easier matchup. And I also think that um, I also want to go to a game selfishly. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, of course. <laughs> that's probably more important. Um, but um, just real quick before I dive in guys, I don't know if you guys have been hearing, but the offense for this season has been unbelievable. Uh, the goals per game this season has been, was is 3.12. And that's that, is the best we've seen since 2005, 2006, which was 3.08. I mean, <laughs> there's so much scoring this season and it, it's, tr- it's truly spectacular. Um, no, no, uh, no year starting with the, tw- starting with a 20 in front of it is ahead of us this season. That's, that's how dominant um, offensively this, this um, season's been. And just goes to show, you know, there's only, a, there's only, I think there's only a handful of good goaltenders anymore. And you just kind of hope that you have a goaltender that's competent enough. Um, unlike the teams that we're going to talk about. <laughs> Let's start with the East. Uh, as we did uh, last week, we're going to talk about teams that have been eliminated. We're going to start right off the bat with the, uh, with the Ottawa Senators. Um, miss, uh, the Senators missed playoffs. Um, they dealt with some injuries. They dealt with some goalie issues. Um, you know, this is the longest drought in their history. Um, and to boot, they just lost their, um, their owner, their owner passed away, um, a couple weeks ago and they're, you know, we don't know what her daughter, what his daughter is going to do with the, uh, with the team at this point. I think she's 21 or 22 years old. Um, and she owns a hockey team and it sounds like she may want to make a run, you know, in, in terms of keeping it going, but it, it just, it just remains to be seen what's going to happen. Um, Eugene Melnick was a had a checkered history with with Ottawa he saved the team but he's also made some um some unfortunate moves along the way so it's a wonder what's going to happen there but um this team just kind of failed um Colin White missed a lot of games uh Matt Murray just just had some illness and injuries and just didn't play very well um and they had that rough start and it just kind of you know it just kind of just knocks you down when you when you get out that early but um I guess I want to start with James. I mean, 
look, it seems like they're going to be starting with new ownerships, new ownership. And, you know, what kind of optimism do you have if you were an Ottawa Senator? What would you say to an Ottawa Senators fan to give them some kind of hope for next year? I I don't know if there's any real optimism right now because you don't know what direction this team is headed in. Typically, the owner will set the goals for the team and the expectations of going forward. And that has yet to happen because the 21, 22-year-old daughter who now owns the team is a young adult. And it's really tough to do that at such a young age. It's crazy that this person now owns a multi-million, 300-plus million dollar, probably more than that now, franchise. And it's kind of a lot like the Arizona Coyotes. Like they don't really have a direction either because they don't have a home stadium. In this case, the Senators don't have a direction because their owner is brand new. So it remains to be seen. I don't know if there's going to be optimism or pessimism regarding this franchise. It just depends on whatever happens at the first press conference and the goals and expectations of this new owner make it known. Yeah, I mean, look, the Ottawa Senators, especially with the ownership, has they've been kind of a laughing stock in Canada, um, even more so than the uh, than the Edmonton Oilers, if you can believe that. Um, and I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, I of course don't find uh, you know comfort in that. That it, it sucks to be in that situation, kind of like the Buffalo Sabers, right? They're just in that spot. Um, Tyler, the one thing that I w- want to point out is is these guys have some pro- the, the Senators have some promising centers, promising young centers coming down through the pike. I mean, you had injuries to White and Pinto that gave Stutzla his chance to kind of move into the center position and actually kind of take over that position. He he scored forty three points in in. Um, in 68 games, that's not huge, but he's also playing against harder competition and he's, and he's doing it. He's holding his own. Uh, and then Josh Norris has stepped in and, and scored another 45 points in 53 games. How important do you think it is to see these, to see a young center core kind of establish itself before, while this rebuild's going? I mean, that's what you want. You want, you want those guys that you're going to build your team around. And I think those two that you mentioned, but definitely fit the bill. I mean, those two are wildly talented um, but they just have so much work to do to make this team competitive, especially an ex- extraordinary competitive Eastern Conference. Um, so it, it, it's going to take a while. But hopefully, like I said, I think it's important for fans, too, to have a group of guys, a group of young guys to rally around, even in these years where you're not doing very well, because at least that gives you something to put your attention towards and something to root for, you know, versus if you're constantly trading pieces away, that's even you're even more, you know, kind of disconnected from, from your fan base. Um, and just constantly recycling young players. So at least build up, you know, around a couple of guys, you know, and, and, and hopefully for the future, you know, when those guys are hitting their prime, at least you have built around a team that can at least be competitive and you never know what can happen from there. So um, I think it's hugely important for the Ottawa centers to, to keep their young talented group and, and, and build around those guys. I think uh, Stutzel is legit. I think this dude's the real deal. Um, like I said, they have a lot of work to do. They're not even remotely close to being a competitive hockey team in this Eastern Conference, but um, those guys can get you there if you build around it. So, like I said, that that's it's a it's a tricky situation with the um, with, with the ownership. So they're gonna have, obviously that's huge. You're gonna have to figure that out. Who's gonna lead this team forward? Um, so hopefully they they get that done soon. Um, but I, I don't have a whole ton of optimism, honestly, for this Ottawa Senators to be team to be any good anytime soon. But my hope for the fan base in Ottawa is that they keep, they, they, they keep those young studs and they're able to figure it out and build around those guys. Yeah. Um, 
I, th- I think you guys are both right on there. Um, the, they have a lot of draft capital, so they have a lot of, you know, they, they have a lot of pieces that they can help to build. They have a nice prospect pool. They have the second best German hockey player to potentially play the game. He's not going to become first. Don't, don't jump out of your seat. Um, uh, but he, he is, he is a legitimate hockey player. And um, you know, if, if you can build around you, if you can build your team down the middle, you're going to be in good shape going, um, you know, in, in a, in a rebuild situation. Um, the, the the Buffalo Sabers broke an NHL record, losing or missing playoffs for eleven seasons in a row, breaking the record that a lot of teams have have um, had, including the Edmonton Oilers at ten. But here we go; they they uh, they just missed another season. Um, this this the Buffalo Sabers had no had no, you know no shortage drum in Buffalo. Um, you know it's they're they're dealing with their eleventh straight season. Um, they dealt with the Jack Eichel saga, which was. You know, a debacle. Uh, they had some obviously goalie issues, um, and you know that 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 you know injuries kind of um, hit hit them there. And then they had way too many losing skids that just kind of you know pushed them to, you know out before it even began. Um, Ty, but Tyler, <laughs> I don't want to say anything that you know. I I look at I look at when a team's been eliminated from uh, from the playoffs or at least too far out to even make it, and they start winning games, and it's kind of garbage time. And I I I I kind of steer clear as to put a lot of, um, you know, I guess I guess give a lot of um, consideration for the types of those game those types of games. However, the Buffalo Sabers have looked quite good over the last you know few weeks here, and it kind of really hit kind of a big turning point. When Jack Eichel returned to Buffalo, the team, the the fan base won that game, and the fan base has been electric ever since. Do you think this team is close to being a playoff team? And you know why? If if so, uh, that's tough. I really would like to say yes. Um, honestly, with the season they've had, they 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 beat expectations. They weren't the worst team in the Eastern Conference. That's that's a win. <laughs> that's huge. I mean, yeah. they're, they're, they're not, they're not absolute dog shit, which is an improvement, obviously going from where they've been the last 11 seasons to, to jump to making the, making the postseason is still, there's a large gap there. Um, but hopefully, you know, getting rid of Jack Eichel, obviously that was a huge distraction. There's probably a, there's a ton of toxic in, in environment there in the clubhouse going on with that. So, you know, hopefully they got rid of that and, and, and they can move past that. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens. Obviously we, we've, we've talked about it before how much that fan base is so deserving of a, of a winning hockey team. They just don't have the ownership and the leadership that can provide that. Um, and currently I haven't seen any evidence to point them in that way. Obviously they played well the last, this last stretch of the season, but I mean, what is there to really hope for? Like how, how, how can they put that in the course of a whole 82 game season and be a playoff team? I don't really see it at this point. I don't, I don't see it there with, with, with the current team uh, assembled. So they're going to have some dramatic change in the off season in, in order for me to change my, change my mind on that. But I mean, like I said, with the expectations that the Sabres had, they beat them. So, I mean, maybe it was an okay season for them. That's, that's, yeah. that's positive. Yeah. Um, you talk about Eichel and, and, and James, this, this, this moves to what the most important question regarding the Sabres was this season. Did the Sabres win? the trade, the Jack Eichel trade. Now that you, now that we've seen it kind of, kind of play out, Pey- Peyton Krebs came with, came obviously with um, over to the Sabres. Alex Tuck's kept, Alex Tuck wanted to, to go to, to Buffalo. It, there's not very many players that want to go to Buffalo and he has taken over that team in terms of leadership, in terms of scoring. 
did the Buffalo Sabres win the trade? I think they did. And I, it's, I mean, like going into the season, you would have been like, oh no, the Knights won't because they got Jack Eichel. Jack Eichel has been in and out the lineup with injuries. And now you have some continuity with the Buffalo Sabres and continuity and locker room chemistry goes a lot farther than you think. It's not just the numbers that you put into place that determine if you want to lose a trade. It's the way management looks at the team. It's the way the team feels. It's the vibe surrounding the team. Ever since Jack Eichel left, this team has been figuring out what their identity is because now they're a longtime captain, the one who steer, steered the ship, stored the ship, steered the ship. That sounds like a right, steered the ship. It is now gone. And so the identity that the uh, Sabres have ca- like cultivated is now different than the one that Jack Eichel had. Could you say that the Jack Eichel-led ship was cancerous and not that good? Possibly, given the track record of that team. And now this is this team is climbing towards new heights, and it's exponential, uh, given the fact that there's actually players who want to be there and not fighting every single decision made. It goes a long way. And, yeah, I think that's what made the Buffalo Sabres win this trade. Yeah. Um, Alex Tuck, another, uh, another um, you know, one of the original misfits in, in, in Vegas was another uh, another one that bites the dust, so to speak. And he, he was traded and he wanted to go to Buffalo. And he has, if in my opinion, he's already he's already earned a C if, if, he, if he hasn't got already uh, after this season. Um, look, this team is this team is actually looking kind of interesting. Um, look, Tyler, you mentioned you mentioned ownership. There's an, um, the same owner owns another team in Buffalo that is looking really fucking good in sports. And that would be the uh, the uh, Buffalo Bills. The ownership's there. He, he's had some issues with Jack Eichel, obviously, but the ownership's there. It's just he hasn't found the right pieces in the front office, maybe or the right mix of guys. They've had tons of top picks, but maybe bringing in Peyton Krebs, bringing in Alex Tuck galvanizing this 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 fan base is enough to kind of push this organization in the right direction and you know what i'm going to call it right now this team is going to be sniffing a wild card spot next season All right. i know that sounds insane but i'm going to say it and uh yeah i think they're i think i think they'll have a chance to sniff it that's tough um, man given that east is just stacked upon stacked. it is stacked um i the, the part of it is is i don't know what I, what to think about the bruins um, I, I, this might be a last dance, you know, we, this might be a last dance for the Bruins, right? Um, because you know, they're getting that aging core. So, and we'll talk about that, but that's, that's kind of playing into it as well. Um, and I don't know what to think about some of the teams in the Metro, they're getting older as well. So maybe it's time for the, for the, uh, for the Buffalo Sabres to, uh, to find a way to make it in, um, now would be the time. Um, we're going to talk about the Detroit Red Wings last in the East, um, the Detroit Red Wings have, you know, didn't make it again. <laughs> can't really be, uh, can't really be surprised. They, they you know, they, they, this team's kind of on the up and up, but they just, just like James said, it's just too stacked. Um, um, Bertu- uh, ha- missing Tyler Bertuzzi because of his, uh, because of injury and also because of his um, unvaccinated state did, did impact him a little bit. He wasn't able to go to certain areas uh, in especially Canada. Um, and the wings were three, 10 and O without him, including a two and six record in Canada. So obviously he is a big part of it. The Red Wings had a good middle of the season, beginning of the season, and then they slumped. And that is enough to just, you know, put, put the ends to that. Um, Tyler, what do we think about the, the Detroit Red Wings are, 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 do you, do you have any hope that um, they'll be sniffing a wild cards um, spot next season? 
I do. I think this team, as you, as you mentioned, they're, they've been building and they've been building for a long time. I was a little disappointed with the Red Wings this year, too. Kind of similar last week, week, week we talked about the uh, uh, New Jersey Devils. I think the Detroit Wings, Red Wings are kind of on a similar timeline here. Like they, they've been rebuilding for a while. They've got a lot of good young pieces. And I think they're, they're really close. Maybe, maybe just a few more pieces from truly competing in the Eastern Conference. As we've mentioned a bunch of times already, the Eastern Conference is an absolute, you know, so, so deep with, 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 with really good teams. It's really hard to be competitive in that conference. But I think the, the, the Detroit Red Wings are right there. Um, they they, they should a, a, a few more pieces. I was expecting them to do a little better. Um, I you know kind of wanted to take them as a, as a, as, a, as a sneaky wild card this year. Didn't work out for them. Um, obviously with you know some 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 injuries and and things of that nature. Um, but they are still in that rebuild mode. I think they're very close. So I I would expect bigger things from them next season. I expect them to be aggressive in the offseason. I expect them to add some add some pieces because I think they're in that state right now where they can start making some moves and really start to try and be more competitive. Yeah, Eiserman is going to start being very aggressive, and um, and it, it's time. And uh, and James, I want to ask you. The Red Wings were very fortunate, actually. Um, they have two candidates that are ha- that have the top odds of winning the Calder. That's in Lucas Raymond, and that's in the unbelievable Mort Sider. Is it Mort Sider's job or uh, a trophy to lose? I think so. Uh, I mean, the dude has 40 assists. That's crazy. As a, as a, as a defenseman, a rookie. As defense. a defenseman. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's a puck moving defensive, obviously at this point, yes. uh, but his style of play, he's 21 years old. And I've said this time and time again, being a defenseman in the NHL has a very hard learning curve to it. It takes defenders longer time to acclimate to the game than it does a forward. And he's 21 years old, playing at such a high level, playing on a Red Wings team that is not a playoff team, but still has racked up 40 assists. And that just that goes into my other point about how excited I am for this damn team. And I think this Buffalo, not Buffalo, the Red Wings team is going to be better, more suited, and more likely to be a wild card team than the center, the Sabres because of their young core. Three of of their four top scorers are under 25 years of age, all led by Dylan Larkin, who is so good. Oh my he's God. So good. He's so he's underrated, the, right? Exactly. He's the only reason why I'd like to watch this team. And then that's how I found out about this young defenseman, but Dylan Larkin at 68 points, 25 years of age, Lucas Raymond, 54 points, 20 years old. And then like you had just said, cider, cedar, cider, <laughs> the defenseman cider, 21 years old. It's this team is going to be good for a long period of time. If they just keep this core and don't blow it up. Uh, but to answer your question and to reaffirm what I said earlier, Cider is going to be the favorite to win this Calder. Yeah. Look, guys, uh, Moritz Cider has an, has an average time on ice of 23 minutes and nine seconds. He is playing in the top spot. He is playing the best the best of the best at any given time. He's on the PK. He's on the power play. He's, he's on every single aspect of the Red Wings game, and he is playing damn well. At 20 years old, that is unbelievable. And he is being, um, he's being um, likened to uh, uh, Lids, uh, Nick Lidstrom. Tyler, do you know who Nick Lidstrom is? No. No? Yeah. He's one of the best defensemen ever played the game. That's, that's who Nick Lidstrom is. I thought that was Bobby Orr. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that was Bobby Orr. Come on. Now, yeah, yeah it was we Bobby Orr. This. But Nick Lidstrom <laughs> in the modern era is the best defenseman ever played the game. And to All be right. even considered 
to be like that guy or the next guy is 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 unbelievable it's and not so Drew Doughty? sorry bud <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's close though uh, but i if you I had a bracket trading you know, would you have bobby or lindstrom <sighs> Oof, that that's tough um I, i'm probably gonna say bobby or just because of the maybe it's like the, the history there and it's you know you know what i mean but nick <laughs> nick nick lidstrom is is you know in the modern area could go down as one of the best at, to ever play the game on on defense so um luke uh mort cider you're right behind him lucas raymond you're right neck you're right there in the mix as well um and trevor zegers just to, just to point him out trevor zegers is just behind lucas raymond in the in the odds so james lucas uh, trevor zegers has had quite a season as we as we clearly know um we're moving on to the west um the black hawks were eliminated and they missed the playoffs for the fourth time in five seasons um that one season was was them in the bubble in the expanded uh playoff season where they beat beat the Oilers (laughs) (laughs) um (laughs) the Blackhawks had a bad start they went one nine and two in their first 12 um that just kind of that that ended uh back in November 5th we saw Jeremy Carlton get the axe um, this was this was also while the the Blackhawks were dealing with so much shit with the with the um, you know we talked about their their whole controversy this season. Um, they relied way too much on goaltending. They they pretty much put the entire team on Mark Andre Fleury's back, and he just he just couldn't handle it. Poor guy. Um, and he was and he ended up being traded. Um, James is <laughs> are the Blackhawks going into a complete? Like, are, are you okay with the Blackhawks going to a complete strip everything down and go to the bare bones doing a full on fucking rebuild? Are you okay with that? Yes, absolutely. Uh, but there is a small caveat there and that's in dealing with Patrick Kane and Jonathan Tace. Uh Ownership has come out and said time and time again that these two have no trade clauses and they will be able to dictate where they want to go if they want to go. Uh, they've been told that this team is going to go full rebuild. And if they want to stay ground for it, great. But if they don't, this ownership and this group will try to do right by them because they're trying to clear up their name. They're trying to fix everything about this franchise. They're going to try and do right by Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze and send them as to the best of their ability to where they want to go. But I am definitely okay with this team going full rebuild. They've shown it. I mean, was it Patrick Kane who said that because they traded Brandon Hagel to the Lightning? Like there's, there's no way this team is not going full rebuild at this point. And I mean, when you let go of Mark Andre Fleury too, who you relied on so hard, like it's this this team needs a full reset. And given the longtime captains and the two players who are the most influential to it in this era, giving them the ability to decide where they're gonna want to go if they want to go is huge in my book. So good on them. Yeah, this this organization has it is not only dealing with the hockey side of thing; it's dealing with the social side of things. They are stripping down and eliminating every bad historical connection they have with any clouded individuals and 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 um and uh it's it, it's it's great to see bobby hole which is which is a long time you know legend uh in black in the blackhawks organization was asked to step down as an ambassador because of his very checkered past um if you really care to look at it he was a terrible human being amazing hockey player but an absolutely awful human being good riddance you piece of shit uh tyler I want to ask you, they're going into the full rebuild. Who's going, we're going to talk about Kane and Taze. Where are they going? Not, I don't, what I mean by that is I don't, I don't want you to give what team they're going to. I want you to give me who's staying, who's going. I think, I think they're both going. Oh, they are. Okay. 
I mean, look, if, if, if you're Kane or Taves, right, you're, you only have a few years of prime, good, productive years, the Chicago Blackhawks team is not going anywhere. I understand you want, you, you've built your life in Chicago. You're, I'm sure there's, there's family ties in Chicago. It's tough to just pack up and move after so many years there. But as a player, wouldn't you want to spend your final years competing? Yes, they've, I mean, both those guys have won, what, three cups together, I think. So maybe they don't want to do that. But I don't know. If it was me, I think for most people who are competitive and are, and are athletic and are at that level, you want to win. That's the whole point. The whole point is the win, right? So wouldn't you want to go somewhere with, with within your no trade clause? You have power to pick where you want to go. You know, wouldn't you want to go somewhere that you can be at least competitive and help a team and be around a culture that's a, that's a winning culture and play for something, not just playing just to play? I don't know. For me, if I was both those guys, I would want to get the hell out of Chicago. Um, from my perspective, that's how I would see it. Now, obviously, there's a lot more involved, like I said, as I mentioned, with, with, with family and, and, and all those types of things that, that, that might deter that. And maybe they want to stay in Chicago. Maybe, maybe they, they, they love that area. Maybe they love that fan base. And that's cool, too. But from an athletic perspective, from an athlete perspective, you want to win. Chicago right now is not the place to do that. So I would exercise that, that no trade and try and go somewhere that you're going to be successful in, um, as a team. Just to talk about a little bit more about James, that. You... It's yeah, it's, I think there's a certain amount of pride that comes with staying in one team sweater or Jersey Absolutely. for the, your entire career. Absolutely. Cause not many people have the opportunity to do that because a, they just retire. Like they're not good enough. So they don't stay in the league long enough for it to make an impact or B they get traded to somewhere else. Cause they want to win. But there's a small group of players who are as influential and as popular and as good as these players who stuck with the same team for their entire career. And everybody holds them at a higher standard. Like I personally, I hold Kobe at a higher standard because he's been through the ups and the downs of a winning franchise and a losing franchise versus LeBron, who as soon as the Cavaliers started to suck, he's like, I'm going to Miami, try to win over there. And then he went to the Lakers and went back. I mean, he went to Cleveland again and to the Lakers. Like it's, being able to stick with one team through the highs and the lows, it's like marriage. It's like a relationship. Staying in one team, it has a certain amount of loyalty and pride that you can't say for everybody else. And yeah, that may mean losing. But if, if that was me personally, and I was still super athletic and super competitive, and I, you guys know I'm very competitive and want to win all the time, I still think I'd stick it out with that one team and fight for what I built there and my legacy. I, I You know, I, I think that's interesting. That's, that's why this is such a tough it's such a question. It's really going to be up to them. We know that, but this team has won three cups in a very short amount of time in the, in the, in that mid oddies, uh, mid ten um, period. Uh, and then, you know, now they're, they're at, they're kind of at the, the depths of, uh, of, of what the franchise can go through. And, you know, the, their, their time there is, is a question mark. And James, you bring a good point. And so did Tyler, you bring a good point. Like where, where are they going to stand? Are they going to want to stand on the, are they going to want to stand and, and basically watch their statues get built while they're there? Or are they going to go somewhere else while, while it's getting built five years from now? You know what I mean? Like they, they may be there. They may, they could die Blackhawks. And I guess if, if I were to guess who, it, I think we might see one go and one stay. Um, I would see Jonathan Taze potentially going. Um, I think that Kane just has just fallen in love with the city. It just, that's what it seems like. That's just what I feel like. I could be totally off base, but, um, I, you know, just to be different, I'm going to say one's going, one's staying. And I'm going to say Kane is going to be the one that stays. Um, albeit 
that that would be the lesser of the two. I, you know, we all, everyone knows that Kane's probably the better player at this point. So, um, you know, you, you'd see, you'd see uh, um, Chicago retain half the salary and he's going to go play third line center for, for some, you know, for some team that's looking to, to, to go all the way. Uh, maybe like a, like a ducks or, or something like that. Get that veteran presence, a winner in there. Um, the guy, the, the guys can still play hockey. I'll tell you that. Um, especially now that you've lost, uh, now that you've lost your captain, uh, and we're going to talk about your team right now, James. Unfortunately, the Ducks were eliminated. Um, really, the, they were kind of doomed by Gibson struggles this season. Gibson just continues to just not be what we what we have seen him be. You know, those three or four years ago, he hasn't looked very good last few seasons, um, admittedly. And even and I try to do my best to to you know be that apologist, but he just. He, he's he's making me look like an idiot i'll tell you that um we, we james we saw the ducks and i guess tyler i mean i'm sure you were shitting your pants we saw the ducks start a, start the season 17 9 and 6 they led the pacific division on december 17th and then the uh, nhl decided we're gonna we're gonna have an extended christmas break because of covid shut everything down and then play resumed on the 29th and it was not a very good new year for uh for the for the the ducks um they lost eight of their of eight of 10. Um, they had a little bit of a, a, a go the other way in the all-star break, but after that just fell apart. Um, James, we can, we can honestly say that the growth of, of Troy Terry and, and um, Trevor Zegras is your largest bit of optimism at, at this point. Um, and I just want you to talk about, you know, as, as a fan of the team, where do you think the ducks stand right now? And, um, you know, is this just a, a little bit of a step back and to, to step forward? And are we going to see it, the, the team come back next year and vie for a vie for a spot in the division, especially with a, with the division that is quite open. I mean, it'd be, I'd be very optimistic in saying that, yeah, that's that they're going to make it to the playoffs hopefully next year, but that's not going to be the case. Being the realist here, uh, for what they traded away and the amount of picks that they have, they're really looking to the future future. They have a ton of picks coming up in this draft and next draft. And we all know that in the NHL, you can't just make a, a pick for a player and then assume they're going to be in the lineup the next year. They're going to spend some years in the AHL learning the game, learning the speed and try to figure out from that point forward. And sometimes they don't mature and blossom to the area that you want them to blossom to. And in which case you have to realize, okay, maybe, maybe this person, not the person we need. And so you just, spend more picks and right now we're looking at Zegas and Troy Terry kind of maturing in the NHL and figuring out how to play there and being kind of like that Getzloff like dude the captain when these young players come around and that's when they'll be contenders but it's going to be steel sharp sharp and steel for the Ducks for a long period of time there's no saving grace coming anytime soon it's going to look like three to five years in which they're going to be like oh now they're a powerhouse because when you get rid of these guys like Manson, like Lindholm, Raquel, these are your staples who actually made your team competitive. They're all gone now. So now you got to rely on these literal AHL guys because half these guys were playing in the AHL last season, with the exception of Troy Terry and a couple of your you know third line centers and forwards. Like you can't rely on these players to be the players that you need to survive in a full NHL season. And go through the rigors of that. And I think Ryan Whitney said it best. You need somebody who is strong, who is a goon, who can back you guys up. You can't win hockey games with just super fast, 
super electrifying, high skilled players. You need somebody who gets down and dirty. And right now the Ducks don't have that. And it will be years until they find that again. Yeah, no, I, 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 I think you, you're, I think you're dang, you're, you're, you're bang on there. Uh, Zegers and Terry, what I love about that, you add, you can all add in Braden Tracy from the, from the, uh, from San Diego, Jacob Parole, Jamie Drysdale. These guys are growing together, right? These guys are growing at a young age and growing together. That is a scary thought, Tyler, for, 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 for two teams that are in the, in the same division to see a, a festering growth of, of young ducks come in. We've seen what happens when that happens. We've seen this, let's play before we've seen, uh, we, we've seen um, Getzlav and Perry do their thing and they just completely dominated when they were at their height. I, I can see this happening again. And you'd add in, you, you sprinkle in some, some uh, heaviness. Pat Verbeek, Pat Verbeek was the, was a mean motherfucker. He was not a, a he was not a nice hockey player. And now he's your GM. You're, you're James. You're not, you're not going to be worrying about, um, about your, your skilled guys for very long. Cause uh, you know, he's going to find a guy that's going to fit. He's going to find guys that are going to be able to fit that bill. No, they're not going to be, they're not going to be the Luchiches. No, of course not. But they're going to be hockey players that are willing to step up for their team. I think the one thing that's most concerning about that statement, though, is that I've heard so many interviews with Pat Rubik and people asking him what they need to succeed. And every single time he says, we need to get faster. And that's concerning to me because typically a faster skater is not going to be the ones that are going to throw down and hit people. Typically, those are slower, bigger guys. And so now that you're just getting all these small, skinny, fast looking dudes, can't really defend themselves. Yeah, no, you make a good point, but. You make a good point, but we know this game's getting faster. We're seeing, we're seeing guys. I think fighting is on its lap. Like we might not see fighting in five to seven years. So uh, the the game is quickly changing, Uh, but you you're right. You need, you need, you need heaviness. Um, So I I hope that, I hope that Pat for Beaks sprinkles in a little bit, but Tyler, I want to ask you, and actually James, I want to ask you too. When I say the name, Ryan gets what comes to your mind? I mean, he was, he was part of that, that ducks, that ducks dynasty there. Um, you know, and, uh, one of, one of the greats to ever do it, especially with that ducks franchise. I mean, he, he was a guy that's, that's, that struck fear in me as a, as a Kings fan when, uh, we, we, we play the ducks. I mean, that was the guy you looked out for. I mean, he's the guy that's going to make it happen. Um, so it was, it was, uh, you know, when I, when I saw him retire, you know, it was a little bit of like a little bit of relief. I was like, Oh, I don't think we're, we're about that guy anymore. But I think that speaks volume to the kind of player he was right. You know, um, just one hell of a competitor, one of the most skilled uh, hockey players uh, in our, you know, era to, to, to ever do it. So, I mean, he's always going to be a guy that I respectfully dislike, I think forever. So, I mean, Ryan gets one, one, one hell of a guy. James. I think, I think for me, just the, it, he's the captain. And we had just talked about this earlier and how he, I respect people who are loyal and spend their entire career with this team. Ryan Getzloff is one of them. And yes, he is good. He's won a cup. He has that amount of entry, the amount of character to stay with the club for the entirety of his career. He's been through the ups. He's been through the lows. And now he's going through a rebuild. And he's been there every single step of the way. And I respect that. He's really shaped this Ducks team, this organization to what he deems is their play style. And I mean, the last couple of years they've kind of gone away from that because Ryan gets has gone a little less physical and you need, he need more speed around him. Um, but for those years where the ducks were dominant, they were playing the way Ryan gets wanted them to play. And I mean, I'm going to, I've talked a lot of shit on Ryan gets the last two years. It seems like, and I've wanted him to retire for a long period of time and I still do, 
but he's coming, he's leaving on his own terms, which I like. And I love the fact that he's been with the Ducks this entire career. He didn't bail out and go to another team because he wanted to win. He's been there through thick, through thin, and I respect him for that. Yeah. Um, another another one of the 2003 draft class that w- was probably the best draft class of all time. I'm not even going to get into some names, but this is a this is a draft where we saw Mark Andre Fleury go first. This this is an amazing draft, and he's this is another one that um, is giving up really quickly. Is Ryan Getzlaff the best Anaheim Duck of all time? Not the best player to play on the Ducks, but the best Anaheim Duck of all time. That's a tough question, man. Given longevity, given his captaincy. So I got you guys know I've only been watching hockey for a short period of time, give or take five to you know eight years. Nothing too crazy, but from what I know and what I remember from this Ducks team, I would say yes. And a lot of people may hate me for that because I don't know the entire history of the Ducks entire organization. But from my short time watching hockey, Ryan Getzoff has been a staple of it through and through. Tyler, real quick. I mean, I would I would agree with James with that statement. I think for me personally, I would have to go with Ryan Getzloff. But I think looking at the overall history of franchise, franchise Timu Solani, I think still is probably the king and the greatest duck of all time. But I think I think it's close. I think a lot of people, you know, kind of automatically give that to Solani. I think when you're the kind of the, the first greatest of all time of your franchise, and Ducks are a very young franchise, uh, rel- relatively speaking, mm-hmm. I think it's hard to beat that. Um, so I think I'm going to have to give the edge to Timu on this one. But I would agree with James. Like in my in my personal experience watching the Ducks play, I mean, Getzloff for sure, hands down. But yeah. I think if you're really looking at it from an objective perspective as a whole history. I think Timo Solani still gets the edge. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think I think Timo Solani is a better hockey player. I just look at Timo Solani's been to a couple of teams. He didn't. He wasn't drafted to them. He did get traded. Now that does that not taking away from Timo Solani, right? But in terms of to, to kind of go to James's point, he was there from the get go. He's been there. He's done it. He's put that te- that entire city and that entire county on his back and. Um, and to me, as much as I hate him, hated him when I played again, when I saw him play against us, he is my best duck to ever play best Anaheim duck, not the best player to play on the ducks. Cause there are plenty, <laughs> there are plenty of them. Um, but that, that's all I have for, for that. Um, congratulations. First of all, congratulations to Ryan Getzlaff, um, well-earned retirement. Um, and, uh, we wish the best. We hope to see you see you around at ducks games. That's all I got though. All right. Thanks trading. Uh, like I said, we got what? Two weeks left, the regular season, a little less than that. Two and a half, three. two, yeah, three. Two, two and a half, three. Uh, Read the power get- rankings, Tyler. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're getting to the nitty gritty, guys. Uh, pl- uh, playoffs is right around the corner. So, uh, but we enjoy talking about the teams that, that need some help, but we're going to get to the good stuff pretty soon here. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, the NFL draft is also right around the corner. God, spring is an amazing sports time of year, guys. There's so much good stuff going on. So when we come back, we're talking about the late part of the first draft, picks 32 through 21, our mock draft here on TLDR with James when we come back. Welcome back, everybody. It's that time of year. We got the NFL draft is right around the corner. Uh, What is your team going to pick? What is the future looking like? It's a very exciting time. It's one of the most crazy overhyped events in all the sports, um, but we got to love it and we got to dig, uh, dig right into it. So James is going to lead us into our TLDR mock draft. Uh, we're going to start in reverse order. So we're going to start with pick 32 of the first round and work all the way up to number one. So James, let's do it. 
All right, guys. I was looking at this draft earlier, and this draft's actually kind of crazy. Like, there are no surefire picks like they have in every single draft. Like, we all knew that, you know, like, who number one is going to be, number two, number three, and so on. But here, I have no clue. This is going to be a crapshoot. We'll see who gets the most right because, you know, it'll be different. Like Tyler said, we're going to start 32 and go to 21 today. We're going to break it up into three different sections. Coming in at number 32, we have the Detroit Lions, who are actually picking instead of the Los Angeles Rams because of that trade with Matthew Stafford. So, therefore, Detroit Lions picking at number 32. Tyler, who do you have the Detroit Lions picking at 32? All right. Uh, I got them picking Dayton Hill, safety out of Michigan. Uh, I think the Lions need to stack up on defensive playmakers, uh, especially in that division. They got a lot of quarterback. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, obviously the leader of that of that uh, group. Uh, Kurt Cousins, uh, you know, I think the Bears also got, got, got a good young guy there too. Um, so they're going to need Justin Fields. Justin Fields. Thank you. I couldn't remember his name. Appreciate it. <laughs> uh, but listen, they, they're going to need to stack up on, on, on that defense. I think defense first, right? I think build up on that, um, get some secondary help. So I'm going to go Dayton Hill, safety out of Michigan. Trading. God damn it, dude. That's my exact pick, dude. Um, wow. They're, they're going to have, they're going to have a lot of, uh, they, they need to rebuild the, they need to rebuild a lot. <laughs> so there's a lot of holes, but um, I think showing up that secondary, he's going to be a guy that um, that's going to work well in that, um, in that rebuild on the defensive side. Um, I, I like that pick there. Uh, I kind of agree with you guys. I also want the safety, but I'm going with Lewis sign out of Georgia. Uh, just like you guys have said, the defense is being torched. There's a lot of great quarterbacks on that division. And so Lewis is a surefire tackler. He only missed 11 tackles in 159 attempts. Last season, he had 64 tackles. So this is the kind of guy that you want out there being a safety, which is the most important position, according to Eric, by the way. But having a good safety means you're going to have a good team, apparently. Moving on to number 31, we have the Cincinnati Bengals who Tyler so famously called them drafting Jamar Chase when we all said that they were going to pick an offensive lineman. We were so wrong. So Tyler, who are the Cincinnati Bengals going to pick this time at 31? All right. I actually do think they're going to go offensive lineman this time. Uh, I'm going to really? go. Yep. Zion Johnson uh, guarded guard up out of uh, Boston college. They got their wide receiver. I told you we, they can never have wide receivers. They, 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 they got that figured out. I think they have a ton of offensive weapons you know, and, and, and they've added some O-line depth recently, but I think they can still do, do, do more. I think they can add some, some more young, young, healthy uh, depth there. So I'm going to go with uh, Zion Johnson out of Boston College. My God, they didn't just add depth. They added starters. They added Lyle Collins, Alex Kappa, Ted Karras, all of them offensive linemen. You can only have five offensive linemen. Name three. They, they still need two more. Yeah, but they still had, they had two good tackles already. Okay. Like, so that you can only have five offensive linemen. You're going to waste your first round pick. You would you only have one of on another offensive lineman. Yep. I disagree. I'm going to go with a defensive lineman. I'm going to go with Devontae White out of Georgia because they lost Larry Ogbenjoli, who was one of their best offensive run stop, their best defensive run stopping defensive lineman. And he's aggressive. He shoots the gap. He had 39 tackles and seven tackles for a loss. This is the dude who take up, takes up space. And that's what the, def- the Bengals defense needs to do at this point in time. Traden, who do you have? I have an offensive lineman. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Tyler uh, Linderbaum from Iowa. Oh, Uh, the center. Yes. 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 Um, Here's the the thing. This this guy is a freak. This guy, the Bengals need to figure out their their offensive line. I know, I know that they have, they have many, but they weren't, 
they weren't great. Let's just say, uh, let's just say uh, Joe Burrow got hit way too many times for anyone's liking and uh, they need to fix that. Um, so I, I like Tyler, uh, Tyler Litter, uh, Linderbaum here. Uh, and, and I think that they're just going to build out that, that offensive line because they, they already have the wide receiver. Thanks to Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to pick 30, we have the Kansas city chiefs. We actually have two back-to-back picks at 29 and 30, but for pick number 30, the Kansas city chiefs trading, who do they pick? <sighs> well, I'm going to say, I'm going to say wide receiver Jahan Dotson from Penn state. Um, I don't, re- I mean, <laughs> it's, it's tough. Cause I think they're going back to back, right? They have back to back picks. They do. Uh, they have back to back picks. Um, and they're not going to be on it. They're not going to be on until I believe number 50. Um, he's, he's smaller, but I think he's going to fit into, I think he's going to fit into Andy Reid's kind of offensive style. Um, and, He's just going to be another weapon for uh, for Mahomes. Tyler, who do you have? Um, I got them picking Arnold Mbiketai. I don't know. Hopefully, <laughs> I, pr- I pronounced that correctly. Uh, he's an edge rusher out of Penn State. Um, like I said, the Chiefs do have a lot of work to do. I think they've they've traded away a lot of players, but I think one thing that they could improve on is uh, building up that defensive line. I think this kid is 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 an elite talent there. Um, so I think they're going to go D line. Obviously we'll talk about later picks. I think they need more of, but at this pick at 30, they're going to go defensive line. I agree with you, Tyler, not with the person, but with the position I'm going with an edge defender. I'm going with George Karlaftis out of Purdue. I like what you said about them needing some depth on the defensive line. Frank Clark is getting older and can't do it all. The defense of the chiefs isn't their strong suits, obviously their offense. And so having somebody with who can pressure the quarterback on the opposing team will help your secondary out so much and that george is one of the best pass rushers in this draft he earned a 90.6 pass rushing grade can play anywhere on the defensive line interior or exterior 41 tackles 11.5 tackles for loss five sacks and 35 hurries so i'm looking for them to go there with a defensive lineman at 30 because i think at 29 the kansas city chiefs will be picking a wide receiver because wide receivers are so wanted after jamar chase uh, at 29, I have been picking George Pickens, wide receiver at Georgia, 6'3", big body dude, 195 pounds. You have two wide receivers? No, I have one. So the first one is the, or I mean, I, yeah, because I am getting an edge defender at 30, and at 29, oh, I, see, I, see. I have him picking a wide receiver. Got it. Uh, I mean, Chiefs need a wide receiver because they lost Tyreek Hill. So what do you do with that? You find somebody else in the draft. He has massive upside. He tore his ACL last spring, so he only played a little bit last year. But in his true freshman season, 726 yards, eight touchdowns. And if there's any offense that can maximize the potential of any player, it'd be the Chiefs offense. Tyler, who do you have been picking at 29? I agree with you on this pick, James. Uh, I got George Pickens as, as well oh, as yeah. in Georgia. Pretty much the same reason you admit. Like, I, they, they got to replace Tyreek Hill some way. I think just the way with the depth chart falling and the way this, this draft going, I think I got George Pickens falling there at 29 to Kansas City. Trade? Um, I mean, it really doesn't matter because 29 and 30. So my edge rusher is going to be at 29 just for fun. Um, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> uh, it's going to be Roger McCreary from Auburn. Um, this is the guy, th- 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 this is a guy that forced 20 incompletions, led the nation. Um, and and obviously that's a that's a huge part of, that's a huge part of what this team needs. Um, I think that he, they, for, he forced 20 incompletions as, as rusher. Yes. Wow. How do you yes. even figure that out? Um, it's on the screen. Watching every single college football game all season. 
It's on the screen, man. Wow, that's kind of insane. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty um, sure. I, I, I think. I, I, look, he's gonna fit. He's gonna fit a rotation of cornerbacks at that. Um, so he's a cornerback. Yes. Not an edge rusher. Well, yes, you're right. I'm sorry. I, 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 I yeah, yes, you're right. He's a cornerback. Okay. Got it. Cool. I'm an idiot. So uh, I was like, I, wait, how does that even he, compute? He's, he's going to. He's he's <laughs> going to. He's going to rotate with those with those other two, um, Baker and Fenton at uh, at the cornerback position, and all of a sudden, I think that there's some depth there, and uh, I'd be worried. Okay, moving on to number twenty eight, the Green Bay Packers. Who do you guys have him drafting, and why, Tyler? Uh, I'm going to go uh, Devonte Wyatt, defensive. Oh, I'm sorry. Hold on, Devin Lloyd, <laughs> linebacker, Utah. I went I went down. Oh. Devin Lloyd, linebacker out of Utah here for the Green Bay Packers, um, adding depth on, on D. I think they got higher picks up that they're going to just some offensive needs, but in this particular, in particular, I think they're, they're, they're going to go, they're going to sway towards the defensive side. Uh, Devontae White, again, a, a linebacker, you know, tons of great talent. I think he's pretty versatile there. Um, I think he's going to be a great fit there in Green Bay. Trade. You just spent $50 million a year. You need to, you need to uh, buy some insurance. You're gonna buy. You're gonna pick Bernard Raymond, offensive lineman from uh, Central Michigan. It's pretty pretty straightforward. You you need to protect your 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 big asset there. Um, he's athletic. He has some. He has good technique. Um, I think he's gonna he's gonna be um, great for um, Aaron Rodgers. I actually agree with Tyler again. Not with the pick, but with the position. We're gonna go wide receiver, Chris Olave from Ohio State. I think for the first time in Aaron Rodgers' career, the Green Bay Packers are going to be investing heavily on his wide receiver core. So this is one of two wide receiver picks that they have in the first round, in my opinion. Um, he is one of the best route runners in college football. Good deep ball threat. He had 936 yards, 13 touchdowns, and 65 receptions last year. So good on him on that. And he's projecting out to be one of the most ready and consistent wide receivers to come out of this draft class. Why this time are they going to do it when they should have done it for the last like five years? Why this time? Because now wide receivers are very expensive and having spent $50 million on a quarterback, you can't afford one. So what you're going to do, you're going to go get a wide receiver who is grading out to be $6 million total, as opposed to Devontae Adams, who wants 32 million per year. Look, this sounds like music to Aaron Rodgers ears. I I have yet to see it. I want to see it. I don't believe it. Let's I mean, see when it. you let your number one go, you got to find a way to replenish. Fair, that's fair. It's fair. And like I said, this, they have two picks in this first round. I have them picking two wide receivers. Wow. At number 22, we're going to pick another wide receiver. We'll see when we get there. Okay. Number 27, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Who do they pick and why? Trade. Um, you look, I think, I think the Bucs are going to try to bring back Sue, but um, I, I think they're going to, I think they're still going to pick, Boy Maf Maf from a uh, defensive lineman from uh, Minnesota. Um, he has a lot of power. Is it Maf? I have no idea. I've never heard of this guy before. My Maf life. sounds yeah. more um, like an actual name. Look, I, I, I just I just think they're gonna shore up their 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 depth on the on 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 the defensive line side. Um, that's that's all I have. I see. I think they're gonna go offensive line. Zion Johnson, who you had said be drafted early later out of Boston College, the guard. They need to address the offensive line because Alex Kappa left for Cincinnati. And when you lose such an integral piece of your offensive line, you're, you need to protect your 5,000-year-old quarterback. So you need to get an offensive line and to make sure that your 5,000-year-old quarterback does not die. 
So they're picking. You don't need Zion to protect Johnson. him. Then. He's fine. <laughs> what? <laughs> he will not be fine. <laughs> Zion Johnson only allowed six pressures in 2021. And also, fun fact: this guy's a golfer. He golfs a lot. Him and Tom Brady will get along just fine. Zion Johnson at 27. Tyler, who do you have? I'm going to lean more towards Traden's uh, logic here. I think they're going to go uh, defensive line. I got Devontae Wyatt out of Georgia. Um, I think they need to add some depth on that on, on, on that defensive side of the ball. We talked about how great this offense is. I think the defense could use some help there. So I'm going to go with uh, Devontae Wyatt for some defensive help there for the Tampa Buccaneers. Okay. Moving on to 26, we have the Tennessee Titans. Tyler. All right, for the Tennessee Titans at 26, uh, Logan Hall, defensive lineman out of Houston, uh, versatile defender, great, great athlete there. Um, you know, kind of same reasons as the Buccaneers. You know, I think the Titans have a pretty good offensive system working already. I think they can add some help there um, on, 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 the, on the defensive line. Um, so I think they're going to pick Logan Hall. I agree with you 100% with the position and the player and the reasoning. Wow. Go Tennessee Titans with them, uh, Logan Hall, defensive line out of Houston. Trayden, what do you think? No, you guys are wrong. It's N'Kobe Dean, linebacker from Georgia. Okay. Who? Um, I, I think I, I, it's crazy because I think he's going to fall, um, but it's going to be a, it's going to be a nice prize for the Titans. Um, the guy has the guy has great vision. I think he's going to I think he's going to be um, a, 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 a smart and valuable addition to this uh, Titans team. We're going to 25 with the Buffalo Bills, who are the current Super Bowl favorites. Trayden, who are they picking? Why? There's only one weakness that this team has. Well, there's two. There's coaching, first of all, coaching oh. decisions. Um, the coaching decisions Ouch. in a playoff game, and the the uh, the cornerback position. So they're gonna they're gonna pick Trent McDuffie from Washington. Um, Great name. Great name. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think I think he's gonna he's gonna um, sit opposite of uh, of uh, Tre'Davious White on the outside. He's gonna be huge asset for the Bills, and the Bills are going to win the Super Bowl next year. Wow. Big, big things there. I It's crazy to me that you have Trent McDuffie falling that far to 25. He's one of the highest rated cornerbacks in this draft. So that's crazy. Um, I also have him picking a quarterback, though. It's not him because he's not going to be available at 25. It's going to be Kair Elam out of Florida. Six foot two, 192. All, everything you said was perfect about what they need because Tredavious White went down with an ACL injury last year. What happened then? The Bills started to suffer defensively. So you need somebody who can play opposite of Tredavious White and also add some depth to that cornerback position if another injury does occur. He's very physical and fast, 29 tackles, one interception, and five pass breakups. Tyler, who are they drafting? I agree with all you guys with the position, but I got a different guy. Uh, I got Elam actually getting picked earlier, so we'll get to that uh, uh, a little bit later. But uh, I got Kyler Gordon, who's out of Washington, uh, cornerback. Uh, I guess but it's for the same reasons, guys. I think, I think one of the weaknesses of this Bills team is – is, is that secondary? They can use some playmakers there. I think Kyler Gordon is going to be their best option at this point in the draft. Um, so I think they're going to go with that. Number 24, Dallas Cowboys. Who are they picking, Tyler? Uh, Nicobe Dean, linebacker to Georgia. Someone picked him somewhere earlier, somewhere else. Uh, but I got them him here at 24 with Dallas Cowboys uh, for defense, defensive depth purposes. Um, I think, you know, the Cowboys defense is already decent, um, but I think they're going to add more depth there. Uh, especially at, at, at the linebacker position. So, you know, Kobe Dean, great, great uh, talent there from Georgia. Uh, that's where the Dallas Cowboys are going to fall. I agree 100%. Yet again, way to go, Tyler. Yeah. He's wrong. I, uh, yeah. At, tw- at oh, 24, Kobe Dean, that's a steal. 
He is a rowdy playmaking linebacker. He adds depth to the squad. The Cowboys recently signed Leighton Vander Esch to a one-year extension, which doesn't signal for much there. Leighton Vander Esch is not the long-term answer. He's also hurt a decent amount of the time. Having Nicobe Dean play right next to um, Micah Parsons is going to be huge. That's going to be a linebacking tandem. That's going to be very feared because of how rangy and how physical both players are. This dude came into last season with 72 tackles, 10.5 tackles for a loss, and six sacks as a linebacker. That's the exact kind of defensive scheme that um, the Dallas Cowboys run. So good for them. Trayden, who do you have? Um, I don't think I mentioned this guy. Zion Johnson is going to go um, oh. from Boston College. Um, he's an immediate starter at the guard position, very versatile. Um, you need to keep protecting Dak. <laughs> Zion Johnson it is. Dak. At 23, Arizona Cardinals trading who are they drafting? Um, George. Oh my God, this name's crazy. Car, car, Carlaftis. There it is. Edge rusher <laughs> um, from Purdue. Um, I, I I just think that he's he's a better fit. He's versatile. Um, and obviously the the Cardinals need some uh need, need some help on in that position. So I I, I have uh I have him going at twenty three. Tyler. Um, I'm going to go with a wide receiver here for Arizona. I'm going to go Jamison Williams, wide receiver out of Alabama. I think they need to add more playmakers on offense. And yes, they have some names there, but you know, since Larry Fitzgerald left, they haven't really had that like big name wide receiver. I think DeAndre Hopkins. Oh yeah. That guy. Oh yeah. Shit. I forgot about that guy. Um, (laughs) Anyway, they're going to add depth to that position. I think they still need him. Uh, hey, hey, we we can't talk shit. He, shit man. He, he's hey, been right. You can never yeah, have right. enough wide receivers, well, right? But you right? can't say this they is, don't have a big name wide receiver. You're right, my bad. DeAndre I forgot. Hopkins. I forgot about Hopkins. That's that. That's that's my bad. Okay, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna have a few slip ups here. There's a lot of teams, a lot of picks. Thirty two. That's on me. But hey, I'm gonna put the same logic as I did with Jamar Chase last year. You can never have enough wide receivers. Jamison Williams to so, the Arizona so what Cardinals. You're saying is the Cardinals are going to the Super Bowl? Yes. <laughs> and that is on tape ladies and gentlemen (laughs) i disagree with both of you guys i have him go defense and i'm going with a cornerback andrew booth out of clemson uh the offense for the cardinals is decent to good but their defense is atrocious so how do you fix that get a cornerback that can cover pretty much anybody he's aggressive long levered he has long arms and make sure that nobody gets anywhere uh he does have a holding penalty or holding penalty problem so if you can fix that we good if not that's gonna be bad isn't isn't edge rusher a defensive player (laughs) it is but i said the i said cornerback instead of a defense oh okay uh 37 tackles three interceptions five pass breakups andrew booth number 23 going to arizona cardinals and our last pick for this little section at 22 the green bay packers are picking yet again this pick is coming from the Las Vegas Raiders in which they just got from the Devontae Adams trade because they were stupid and traded away Devontae Adams. Tyler, who are they picking and why? All right. So I think the Green Bay Packers earlier in this round, they're going to go with a wide receiver. They got to, they, they have to, you know, replace, they have to try to replace Devontae Adams somehow. I think at this point in the draft, they're going to, they're going to select uh, Traylon Burks out of Arkansas. Um, I think this kid is legit. I think he's got that kind of talent to be a star in this league. So I think that's where the Green Bay Packers are going to pick. I agree with you uh, 100%. So like I said earlier, the Packers are going to pick two wide receivers in this draft in this first round to finally give Aaron Rodgers the help he deserves and needs. 
the coolest thing that I read about Traylon Burks is that he compares to Debo Samuel with a power-up mushroom because he's a lot bigger than Debo Samuel is, but he plays a lot like him too. He's big, he's fast, he's physical. 1,104 yards, 11 touchdowns on 66 receptions last year. This guy's going to be a force. If he can play anything just like Debo can, Green Bay's going to be scary. Traden doesn't have a wide receiver, I don't think. So Jahan Dodson, wide receiver from Penn State. They are going to pick a wide receiver. I was wrong. Of course you're wrong. I just I waited until you said that so that you would be wrong. I love when you're wrong. Um, and it, it's it's simply, you know, as much as I did, I wanted to talk shit earlier, I do think that Green Bay finally pulls their head out of their ass and picks a wide receiver. I don't think they're going to pick two. I think, I think because there is an insurance policy that you do need to take out as I mentioned, but you are going to take Jahan Dotson. He is very creative. He has the ability to create yards after the catch. Um, he is a great route runner, and that is exactly what Aaron Rodgers needs. Aaron Rodgers, gonna, Aaron Rodgers and him are going to connect real quick. I just thought about something, guys. And, I mean, this, this has nothing to do with the draft. But I want you to sound out this word, K-A-N-S-A-S. Kansas. Kansas. Okay. Now put an AR in front of it. Arkansas. Arkansas. But you say Arkansas. So why is it Arkansas? It is Arkansas. That's how I always say it. It's what I did earlier, which is goes against my whole shit. America's <laughs> fucked. Yeah, English is hard. And that wraps up 22 to 32 <laughs> of my draft. What? What? what, what? <laughs> All right. I don't even. Can anybody even say Arkansas? Yeah, because I, 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 I Traylon Burks is from Arkansas. Ah, uh, okay. That's Arkansas. the reason why. Arkansas. <laughs> All right, that, that was funny. That was a great end to your segment. <laughs> Thank you, James, for bringing that up because I thought I was alone with that whole thing. So, uh, yeah, it's pronounced Arkansas. All right, come on, guys, pick it up. Um, but, yeah, that concludes our, our late third of the first round of the NFL draft. Uh, obviously, we're going to keep track of these picks and we're going to see how many picks we get right. It's going to be fun to watch, so. Um, I don't know. I think I like mine. I think we did pretty good. So uh, I think yours is terrible. Yeah. I mean, I think except for the ones that match up with mine. I mean, James, we, we agreed on at least, at least two or three of those. So I think, I think that's, that's, that's pretty solid right there. Um, Learn anything. You can never have too many wide receivers. Right? That's always the fact. That's always <laughs> the fact. You do. never have too many wide receivers. Unless you're, unless you're Eric and you can't have too many safeties. True. <laughs> it all depends on, on how you see the NFL world. Right. Um, All right, so we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to finish our last segment. MLB is back. We had opening day. We had a lot to talk about from the first weekend of MLB action when we come back. Welcome back, everybody. Happy opening day. I hope you guys enjoyed it. It, We came late this year. It was a little belated, but it's still here. We got MLB is back in full swing. Um, so hopefully you guys enjoyed your opening day, wherever it was. Um, I know James and Traden, we talked about earlier in the podcast, they were there. They were in there live in person to see the Angels and Astros for, for, for their opening day, which is awesome. Uh, I was in a hotel room in Stockton, California. So clearly there was a winner here. It was not me. Um, <laughs> so, but we're going to talk about MLB. We're gonna, MLB, oh, dams are back. Oh, damn. Uh, so oh, we're going we're, we're to get into it. Uh, the first thing we're talking about, we already got a bench clearing brawl, or not necessarily brawl, more, more, more of a scuffle. Um, but we're, tensions are already flaring between some some division rivals here. Okay, the, the Mets and the Washington Nationals had a little bit of a disagreement, um, and it came along the sides of two of the Mets players got hit in the fucking head from Nat from Nationals pitchers, and two of their 
I would say their two best hitters, Pete Alonso and Francisco Lindor on back-to-back nights. Pete Alonso on, on, on the opening day um, got, 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 got hit in the head the following night, Francisco Lindor got hit. Um, and that started, you know, a whole situation where uh, the, the uh, Mets coach came out and just firing and talking shit. And then just all became this crazy uh, uh, scuffle that happened and all bench clearing, you know, how MLB does it. Everyone has to come out and has to get their two cents in there. Um, but already opening day, we got a lot of fire going on, especially from the Mets side. Um, so James, obviously the, the Mets much more in a position here to win. Do you like to see that fire out of this team so early? It's so early that already you see the, this Mets team. It seems like they're a good tight knit unit that they're sticking up for their guys. Do you agree or disagree with that? I absolutely agree. Um, if they didn't come out and kind of defend their player, Lindor in this case, and Pete Alonso the day before, I'd be a little concerned because when you have a team full of superstars, which the Mets do, they have so many superstar level talents and personalities on this team. And for them to all come out there and defend them to the best of their ability is it speaks volumes. It shows you how this team actually wants to play for each other rather than individualism. And like I had said before on in the MLB season, 162 games, you need to have team chemistry and you need to play for other people, not just yourself. Because if you hold yourself to a higher standard and hold yourself to the standard where you want to play for other people and make them proud, then you're probably going to win a little bit more than you lose. Playing for somebody else means a lot more than playing for yourself. So I like what that happened there. Um, just to speak more on the situation itself, the pitcher that he hit Francisco Lindor was Steve Ciszek, who was an ex-Angels pitcher. Dude was not accurate. So it, it doesn't phase me at all that he hit somebody in the head because he didn't hit anybody in the head with the Angels, but he was he threw a lot of balls. And uh, yeah, it's bound to happen when you have Ciszek on your team. Sorry about it. Mm harsh words there but i do agree uh so obviously neither pete alonso or francisco lindor came out of it with any serious injuries thankfully francisco lindor left the game never came back fun fact yeah but he can create concussion protocol and he's fine um so not not nothing serious i think both those guys had those little those new flat uh no kind of additions to the helmets that had the kind of the 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 front flap so i think in both those cases certainly helped them a ton there um but, 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 but trading, you know, kind of looking at these things, you, you never like to see anyone get hit in the head with a 90 mile, per, mile, mile an hour fastball. It's, it's always a, a scary moment. Like I said, thankfully, neither of these, neither of these guys had any serious injuries. Um, but kind of looking forward, you know, these, these are two division rivals that are going to be playing each other a ton this season. Do you see this continuing, this, this kind of re- retaliation or this drama, I would, say, I would say, continuing the rest of the season or do you think that they kind of just ended it they they, they, they got it all out there on, the, on on that bench clearing and and and, and we're done with it yeah I, I think it's kind of all done I mean look I, I I think that you know tensions were high early on and look for me and I'm, I'm gonna be unpopular on this bench brawls and the MLB are like scrums in hockey it's so bullshit it's fake it's it, they're pussies like fucking do something don't like they, they want to act like they're going to fight, but they just want to get up in each other's grill and just kind of like yell at each other. Like why waste your time? It's it, hockey. It deals with the same shit. And I fucking hate it. Like I, I fucking hate little scrums in front of, in front of the net because it's like they get, they get, they're trying to act like they're wanting to fight. And to me, it's going to, it's over. It's dealt with. They're, they yelled at each other for whatever, like the four minutes that it was, they all going back to their benches. It's a game and they're, and they're fine. It doesn't even sound like Lindor thinks it was on purpose. So it's it's over. It's fine. But um, yeah, can we just 
like it's a little theatrical like I, I see right through it i'm sorry maybe i'm a, it's an unpopular opinion but same thing with scrums in the regular season of hockey it's like it's all theatrical like if you if you want to be tough be tough so you want to see punches thrown if, if you if if, if it, make it worth it if you actually feel that way yeah if you actually feel <laughs> that way like Look, do I think that the guy did it on purpose? No. I mean, maybe, but probably not. I mean, look, these pitchers are, are throwing these balls like 90-some, 100 miles an hour. Like, if, if anyone wants to tell me that they can be that accurate 100% of the time, they're dreaming. Like, the ball slips. Like, I don't know. I've never even thrown a baseball more than 20 miles an hour, but <laughs> I can't get that accurate, except I was kind of accurate uh, this weekend, James. Remember when you owed me a beer? Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> But but for the most part, I, I, that was just after I hit you with with uh, with the beanbag that I was throwing across the, the yard. Yeah, what the so, fuck? Like, <laughs> you know, it just I, I I mean, it doesn't seem like these guys have, this team has had a history. Maybe I'm missing something, but uh, it just seems a little theatrical. I was actually watching the game, and the announcers were like, "Yeah, this you're going to see a lot more batters getting hit because there's no more sticky stuff to help them control the ball." Ooh. And I was like, "Wow, that is actually I don't know how accurate that is, but it sounds right." <laughs> <laughs> it's I mean, like yeah it I, I, would, I, I would that's interesting an, an interesting argument we'll definitely see uh kind of where that goes obviously i don't think either of these were intentional by any means um but i think when from the mets perspective when you hit your two best hitters on back-to-back nights in the head like if it's one thing if you hit them you know anywhere else you hit him in the head like that's obviously kind of a no-no zone in terms of you know kind of where if the pitch is going to miss you don't want to miss at the batter's head um also one more thing tyler yeah. In the game before where Pete Alonso was hit, there was a total of four hit batters that the Nationals hit the Mets. So, I mean, it, it was a big buildup. It wasn't just those two guys who yeah, just it got was hit, a big hit in the head two right. times. It was like there was a total of six in that entire series of pe- of Mets players being hit. Yeah. So, like I said, you you, you can argue both sides to it. Um, but I, I liked the Mets response to that second one when Laura got hit. I liked that the team came together and kind of stuck up for the um, – for them. I think that shows good chemistry. Um, you know, I agree trade. And I think sometimes it does get a little theatrical with everybody from the whole organization coming out on the field, just, <laughs> just talking shit. Uh, it, it, it does seem like a little much. You would like maybe just see like the, maybe like the manager and a couple of the leaders kind of going at it and just talking about it. Um, instead of, like I said, the whole entire team, like I'm pretty sure the athletic trainers on both sides also are just eyeing each other and just being like, want to fucking go? Let's go. Um, but maybe if that <laughs> happens, never, something. you would never. Hey, man, if, if, it, if it has to happen, it has to happen. Um, oh, team but, player right there. Yeah, I'm here for the team. Uh, but yeah, it's fun to see, you know, these kind of things happen on opening day or, you know, the, the, the second day of opening day, we, we already got some, 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 some tensions, uh, some tensions boiling already. So, uh, you know, keep an eye out for the, for, for, for those Matt's Nets uh, series. We'll see if there's any more fireworks. As Traden mentioned, I kind of agree with him. I think it's probably over this point, but you never know. Um, so moving on to my second ODAM, uh, one of the biggest changes uh, in MLB this year is MLB umpires now for replay reviews. When they announce their decision, they're no longer just doing like sign language to the whole stands that like, you know, 90% of the crowd misses. They're going to do it more like NFL style where they're going to have a, a, a microphone and kind of you do the whole thing, you know, after review of the play, we decided this. Um, so the, it, 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 it's a loud microphone that the whole stadium gets to hear, which I think is awesome. We, we kind of saw that to come in fruition in, the, in that Toronto, uh, Texas game on opening day. Uh, it was part of, uh, ter- of Toronto's huge seven run comeback. 
Um, they had a play at the plate uh, where the Toronto player slid into home, home plate. The umpire called him out. They reviewed it. Uh, they Over the loudspeaker, they announced that the runner was safe and the whole entire stadium erupted into applause and it was super, super cool. Um, so I want to know if you guys, is, Trayton, does this add to the excitement of MLB, especially with, 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 with replays? Is, is it kind of more fun to see it that way versus just the umpire just kind of doing a, you know, like a general sign, sign just says, oh, we safe or out? What do you think? Well, I, you know, I, it's actually kind of a contentious thing. Like some, some, le, you know, some hardos are like, oh, this is just, you know, this is an unnecessary addition to the game, yada, yada, yada. But it's like, you have, you, I do talk about how the MLB is moving too, too much towards the casual fan, but this is a, this is a necessary move for the casual fan. You know, um, I, sometimes you can't see the sign. Sometimes, sometimes you'd like to actually hear it. And also if it's, it's a very close, like if it's a call that maybe needs a little bit more explaining, that's where the, that's where the, 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 the umpire gets, gets his kind of t- time to shine and explain it to us. The NHL does it very well with their, with their reviews. The NFL does it very well with their reviews. And we are clear as to what was called and how it's going to be called. I don't know, understand why hardo, the, I, I call them hardos. Cause that's their, their hardos that they they give such a shit that you're that, that it's like oh the, the signs are classic i'm like i'm pretty sure that you could like make it both like you can use both um and you know every other every other or uh league does that it's just y- y- you're trying to make the game a little bit more uh you know uh attuned to the to the casual fans such as myself and i you know i kind of like to hear what because sometimes i don't even know what the sign means so uh if it's a certain sign you know i don't know i mean it's 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 a way to it's a way to help teach the game push the game forward for the casual fan if it really it disrupts your ability to watch a baseball game you have bigger issues in your life than that and i wish i had your life yeah uh james do you agree or disagree with with uh trading there i mean i agree it's it's really when you're at a baseball game man like you're not really just watching the game giving it all your attention you're probably talking to your friends having a beer eating a hot dog you might have gone to the bathroom or stood in line for three hours trying to get a beer you're gonna miss some things Learned having some it explained experience. to you yeah man the, real fast time out <laughs> <laughs> the angels game was sold out which is really cool but we were on the 500 level but they ran out of beer and water wow how do you do that how it was you, fifth how? inning they ran out of beer and i mean granted it was super hot that day but it, I mean, I, it took me forever to get my food or my hot dog. They ran out of ketchup too, so like Jesus. I had this, this yeah, I had this hot dog with just nothing on it. But uh, it, it took like three hours to get some shit, man. And so it, if I was sitting out in line, not knowing what was going on, if I could hear what happened, I'd be like, "Oh, that makes more sense. Thank you for explaining that to me." As opposed to me just looking at the people and trying to figure out if he had gone back or if he got a hit. It, you should probably know that, but <laughs> to a casual fan, it's really cool that everything's fancy. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I also, I think, I mean, I don't know if you guys have, you know, been watching MLB as, you know, as long and have appreciated kind of it since we kind of started this podcast, but that Toronto fan base and that Toronto atmosphere when that team is good is probably the most electric and probably the, for me watching it from on TV, the most, I love watching highlights of Blue Jays games when they win is that crowd is so electric. Um, it's, 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 it's for me, it's, it's one of the more, the, the more fun things to watch on TV. And the fact that we got like our, our first MLB review kind of over the loud mic with that fan base and it went their way was great. I think it's a great introduction to this kind of this, the, this, this new rule or this, the kind of the, the new way MLB is implementing this. I think it's fantastic. I, I, I love it. 
Um, like I said, it, it, it adds another dimension for the fan, which I, which I think is only going to be beneficial. So I know change is a really voodoo word when it comes to MLB as, as, as trade managers, those, those, those hardos, I don't like those changes, but uh, change is natural. It's going to come. And I think, I think this is one that's, I think already a huge hit. I mean, I think I've seen a, a lot of opinions. I think most people agree. I think, I think it's great. I, I, I think the, the announcing from the umpires also, we get to hear the, hear the umpires voices. I mean, we've heard, you know, them, you know, do their, you know, strike call, you know, kind of the, their, their, their grunting, so to speak with, 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 with the strikes calls, but we never got to hear, hear their voices and we've seen their faces so many times. I kind of wish that Joe West was still around so we can hear him do the, no. the, the microphone no. thing, but um, unfortunately he retired. So we're not going to hear that anymore, but uh, I do listen to his country album though. He has a great country album. I did. Yeah. Hear his voice. I guess if you want to do that, if you want to torture yourself for, and I'll <laughs> go ahead and do that. <laughs> All right. Uh, final thing. Uh, we got our city connect jerseys are, are, are back guys. Uh, we got the first yeah. one. We actually had two that were debuted, but I'm going to go, uh, we're going to go with the Washington nationals. Houston Astros also announced theirs, uh, but we're going to save that for a later week until I'm going to do it until they play with them on the field. Um, so that's kind of, kind of be my, like, kind of, you know, when I'm going to do them. So, but the, but, but the nationals were first, um, I'm going to share my screen here. Um, so we can all see them together 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 if i can can i not do this are they i was a tad bit drunk so it's i hope they're better than the other ones last year Uh oh although i think i saw the houston ones um i hope those are a joke like an april fool's joke that's like 10 days late because they're they're (laughs) they're ridiculous if 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 those are the ones that i saw oh shit all right well i guess for some reason my settings are locking my screen sharing ability um oh wait hold on Oh God! I- oh, we're good. Can you guys see that? Ooh. Yeah, yeah, chill. All right, cool. All right, so here are the Washington National City Connect jerseys. Um, as we did last year, we're going to grade them on a scale of, of, of one to ten, or I guess zero to ten. Uh, we did have some negatives last year, so you're welcome to do that if you deem this to be a negative rating. Um, but as we, I'm going to describe this describe this to people listening. Um, hopefully, on if you guys are able to watch the video, you, you guys can see this. Uh, but the Washington National City Connect jersey, uh, we got like a, a, a gray tone, kind of a, a mute gray and pink here. Uh, they got the, the cherry blossoms there on the front. They got the WSH really big on the front there. They got the W with the hat with the, with, with the cherry blossom leaves on the hat. Um, like I said, with, like, with that kind of mute gray kind of color to it with the, with the, with the uh, mute pink secondary color, white pants. Um, so we're going to go around the horn and we're going to review these jerseys. And like I said, last year, I believe the diamondbacks were the 2021 champions. So we're going to kind of, we're going to go back and we're going to see who wins 2022. Uh, so we're off to the Washington nationals here. So trading, what is your rating on these Washington national city connectors? These are clean, clean, clean jerseys. I actually, uh, yeah, jerseys. I really like them. Um, they, they aren't flashy, but they're really digging into the, the, the cherry blossom pink deal that, um, that I guess it must be connected to Washington DC. I'm not, I I've only been once, but I know that that is a big part of that kind of aura. Um, but what's nice about it is it, is it doesn't kind of fall flat. Like some of the other things, like it, 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 it's a nice addition. It's not in your face. Um, and it's, it just looks clean. The gray is nice and it just, you know what, these are these are one of the cleanest um, uniforms I've seen in a while. All right. So what's your grade? Uh, I'm going to say 8.7. 8.7. James, 
What's your take? Okay, so I hate these jerseys. Really? Is what I would have said oh. at first. But the more I looked at it, the more I was like, wow, these are actually really, really nice. There's a lot of detail in these jerseys. And I love the, the aspect of the cherry blossoms. Uh, Traden said he didn't really know the historical aspect of it. Uh, I looked it up, actually. And in Washington, D.C., around the springtime, cherry blossoms start to bloom. And it symbolizes change and community. And I just think that was really cool that they, Washington put that on those jerseys. Uh, if you look straight at the gray there, Tyler, if you zoom in, that actually has a backdrop of the cherry blossom in a lighter, in a darker color, but more transparent. So it adds texture to the jersey itself. And I'm a huge fan of that. I, I don't like, I didn't like the huge, the plainness of it, but if there's texture behind it, with the gray and the pink, I think that matches up really, really nicely. I just like the entire thing as a whole. It's clean, it's concise, it has texture, and it brings this element of femininity that not many uh jerseys have and i think that's really cool to see it, this different perspective different aspect uh really great i give this a 8.6 when Traden said 8.7 i was like wow that's very very close to what i had but i had it at 8.6 it's rated very high for me it's going to be a lot to be a nine uh but 8.6 is what i'm gonna go with a huge fan of this a bit a lot all right um i'm gonna have to agree with you guys on this one i think so far of all the City Connect jerseys we've seen from last year and this year, this is my favorite. This is my top one. I love these. I think they're, as, as Trade mentioned, they're very clean. They're, they're, they're subtly fantastic, which is one of my, it's, it's, I love it when things are, are really great in a really subtle way. They're not in your face. You kind of have to appreciate a little bit, but they're really well done. And I think this is what this is. Um, I love the cherry blossom. I think, like I said, with, as James mentioned, uh, as, as he did a great job there explaining it, it, it's a really big part of that DC culture. I think adding the pink there is also really unique. You don't see a whole lot of pink in MLB uniforms, especially with, with, uh, with male sports. I think in, you know, in, in the NFL, they, they add some pink for October for, for uh, breast cancer awareness. <clears throat> um, but for MLB, you really haven't seen a whole lot of pink really ever, except for Mother's Day maybe. But this is really cool. I think it's a different take on it. I love the gray. I think the, the, the gray is fantastic. The, the, the gray and the pink match perfectly. I would buy that hat. I would buy and wear that hat. That hat is fantastic. I, I, I think it's great. So I'm going to give this a super high score. I'm going nine and a half on these guys. Wow. I think, oh. I think these are fantastic. I also love the WSH. I love the, the, the kind of city abbreviations on the front. Uh, they're unique. They're special. They're well-designed. Some, some of these City Connect jerseys have gone a little bit too far to be a little bit too out there. These are both unique and special to the city, but also classy and really clean and a great look. A jersey that's not obnoxious. It's just, it's really, really well done. Um, so I'm a huge fan of these Washington Nationals City Connect jerseys. Uh, if you guys have not seen them, make sure you look, you look them up. I, I honestly, for real, I might buy the hat. I think the hat is, is a fantastic How about you hat. buy it for all of us? Maybe I will, yeah. Maybe, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll do a giveaway or something. We'll, we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, so that, that's going to round up uh, my MLB O'Dams oh, this week. Tyler, next week's is going to be. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's, it's not, it's not a, it's not an April Fool's joke. These are real. Yeah. The Houston These Astros are real. Ones. And, and it, it's um, yeah. Save we'll it for next week, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll, yeah we, we, we will definitely save that for next week. Hopefully, like I said, the Houston Astros, I have to play a game with them on for me to, me to, me to uh, have them on here, the podcast. They've announced them yet. They have not played a game. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully by next week we have, uh, but we'll get to those. There's going to be a lot more of these city connect jerseys. We're going to be excited to rate these as we go. And obviously by the end of the year, we'll have our champion and we'll compare it to last year too. So we'll see if anyone can dethrone the uh, Arizona 
they're the Arizona Serpientes uh, City Connect jersey. So um, that one was is, is, is going to be hard to beat. But I think these Washington National jerseys are off to a pretty great start. Um, so that's all I have for MLB. Oh, dams. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the first weekend of MLB opening week. Uh, baseball's back in full swing. Got baseball games pretty much every day. It's all back. It's great. It's fantastic. I'm happy about it. Hopefully you guys are happy about it too. Um, that's also going to conclude this episode of TLDR Podcast. We thank you so much for hopping on and, and listening. Hope you guys are and enjoying the, the, these podcasts. Obviously, we're going to be kind of continuing the, this theme for the, for the next few weeks. NFL mock draft, uh, ho- uh, hockey, baseball. Uh, we, we, we got it all here for you. So share this podcast with your friends. Uh, share, share it on social media. Check out our, 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 our Twitter feeds and Instagram. James does a fantastic job of putting out that content for us. Um, so hopefully you guys are checking that out, liking it, all that good stuff. So uh, we hope you guys have had a great day. Hope you guys are great. Whenever you're listening to this, hopefully you're, do, you're doing great. If you weren't doing great, hope this podcast kind of elevated your mood a little bit. If not, I'm sorry. Um, maybe <laughs> listen to something else. I don't want to tell you. Uh, but hopefully you guys have a great week and we'll see you next week for episode nine.